So um, I told my friend who came with me tonight, Jeanette, that my first 15 words, I'm really nervous. And so my voice is going to shake a little bit. <laughs> but um, after that, you're going to hear my southern drawl, and you're going to be like, what is she saying? But, <laughs> but other than that, I'm good. So I brought something. Since we are falling in love with Jesus tonight, okay, I am an educator, so just letting you know. But I want you to pick one up. I'm going to have, maybe Ari can drop them off, or Jeanette, if you can drop these off. I want everybody to get one. And I'm from the South, and in the South, we talk to the person who's sharing or who's talking, and we generally talk pretty loud, but <laughs> I don't want you guys to be out of your comfort zone. But if I say something, and it resonates with you, and you feel like, hmm, that was good, I want you just to give a little ring to these wedding bells, because we're going to be saying, I do, to Christ tonight. We're going to talk about how do we get there? How do we say I do? So this is your, mm, that was good, Kitty. That way I know that God is speaking and not Kitty. <laughs> so let me get my iPad set up here. I wanted to say thank you also for inviting me to come. And it has been already a, a God-ordained night the five songs, I told Zena, Lena. I told Lena that when she sat down, I said, those five songs walk hand in hand with the five um, points that I'm going to bring tonight about how do we um, fall in love and how do we say I do to Christ. And then Robin got up here and used half my scriptures. So, you know. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, are you sure you want me to do this? <laughs> I still have a few tricks up here, but, but I'm feeling a, some kind of way. So I just want to say thank you again, and thank you to Larie for inviting me. And I have my iPad. I'm going to try this with my iPad, but um, it's, a, it's my tiny one and not my big one, so I brought my papers just in case. But um, I wanted to just say that um, when Larie asked me to come, I was like, oh, yeah. That would be awesome. I'd love to do that. And I was thinking, I'm going to put my glasses on here. I was thinking, what's the topic? What am I going to talk about? What am I going to get to share about? And then when she told me it was falling in love, and I was like, falling in love? I'm not married. I don't really love anybody. Falling in love. Oh, falling in love with Christ. I love the Lord. I do. Do I know how I fell in love with him? Um, not really. Um, let me think about this. What am I going to say to them? What am I going to do? And I thought, you know what, Kitty? Remember a few months back when the pastor was talking about having relationships? And he was talking, he, he had a sermon. It was called Crazy Stupid Love. And he talked to us about how to build relationships. I'm going to keep doing this because I can't see you when I have these on. <laughs> but um, he talked about a, a crazy, stupid love. How do we make relationships with people? How do we have relationships, whether we're looking for a spouse or whether we're looking for a new friend? What do we do? And so I went back to that message, and I started looking at it, and I thought, hmm, that's how I fell in love with Jesus. That's what I did. And that's what I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share the story of how I fell in love with Jesus, but I'm not really going to tell you my story. I'm going to challenge you in your story. So I'm going to share some scriptures with you, and I did tell you, Robin did tell you, I'm an educator by trade, so I'm going to tell you some, I'm going to share some um, quips from kids, because I think kids tell the best stories, okay? They know how to put it in perspective, let's just say that. So um, 
Let's get started. So um, the interesting thing I think about the relationships that Christ talks about in his word is that um, they all relate kind of to marriage. And he even calls us, what, his bride. He calls the church his bride. And so I thought, that's a great metaphor. I'm going to do that. And we're going to say, I do, to Christ tonight. When we leave here, we're going to all say, I do. And then those tips that I told you about from the kids, those are from kids age 5 to 10. So Lord only knows what they're going to say. So we're going to start off with some tips from the kids. And so one of the, um, the question is, how do you tell if two adults eating dinner at a restaurant are in love? John, who's nine years old, said, well, you just see if the man picks up the check. That's how you can tell if he's in love. <laughs> and Brad, eight years old, said, well, lovers will just stare at each other and their food will get cold. Other people, they care more about their food. <laughs> and then Christine, Christine is nine, she said, it's love if they order one of those desserts that are on fire they like, they like to order that because um, that's how their hearts are. Their hearts are on fire. <laughs> I think Christine has it right. And so I want to talk about that journey of how do I get my heart on fire? How did I get my heart on fire? And how are you going to get your heart on fire if it's not on fire? And how are we going to make that fire blaze a little bit hotter for us? So what is that journey that we need to take? And um, so how do we... How did, when Christine talked about that fire, it made me think, oh man, what is it? So the sequence that I'm going to talk to you about is um, one, to know God, to trust God, to rely on God, to commit ourselves to God, and then to be touched by God, to touch others, okay? And that was like the songs, the first song said, the goodness of God. That was what we need to know about God, right? And the second song said, he knows my name. I can trust him because, you know, I don't just know him, but he knows me. And then the third one says, I love your, pre I love your presence. And that was kind of like, okay, I, I can rely on him, and I can, I can be in his presence and feel that, that presence. And then the next one says, I'm in love with you. And that was like that commitment part. I'm going to commit myself to you. And the last part she said was falling in love with Jesus. And when we fall in love with Jesus, he touches us in such a way that when we're around people, they see us differently. They say, hmm, what's, what is it about that person? What is it about them? There's something different. And you get to say, I got Jesus in my heart. He loves me. He wants to love you too. You get to say that, okay? So um, the way that I'm going to do this is as I share a little bit, then I'm going to just go to the scriptures, and I'm going to give you scriptures upon scriptures because how do we get to know God? We read his word, right? We read his word, and we let his word get inside of us. And so um, we have to make time to do that. And Robin challenged us today. She said 45 minutes isn't enough time, Okay. My friend Janet and I, we're, we're looking for husbands, so we're trying to meet guys. And you know what we do? We talk to them on the phone for hours. I fall asleep on mine sometimes, and I'm like, oops. I'm awake. I'm here. Yes. 
And that's the way we need to be with Jesus. We need to get in his word and we need to fall asleep reading his word. Go, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Did you say something? I was listening, but I didn't hear it all. And we need to be in his word like that. So why do we need to, what do we need to know about him? So Hebrews 13, 8 says he is unchanging. It tells us he's a change. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Something else we need to know is that he keeps his promises, okay? 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as so counts slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that you should perish, but that all should reach repentance, okay? He keeps his promises. And the word tells us also there's no darkness in him. There's nothing to be afraid of in him. There's no darkness that he's light. In John, 1 John 1 and 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. You know what? We need to know that he is strong. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Have you not known have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he does not faint, nor does he grow weary. He, his understanding is unsearchable. Just rest in it. Just rest in it. We're getting to know God tonight. He's giving, James 1 and 17. And how many of us want a giving man? I'm telling you, I do. Okay. He's giving. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or no shadow due to change. He brings joy. In Psalms 30, it says, For his anger is but a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. He loves deeply. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not, what, perish, but have, what, everlasting life. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I'm going to tell you about what you need to know about Christ, he's a protector. Psalms 18, 30 says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Think about that. If you knew a man who had these characters, what would that be like? That's right, Janet. Shake your head. Yes. <laughs> Tim Keller, um, he's, a, he's a pastor, and he says that to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known but not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our own self-righteousness and it fortifies us for any difficulty that can be thrown at us. So I want to leave you with this about knowing God. God knows us. And in spite of what he knows, 
He loves us anyway. So we can know him, okay? We can know him. All right. Let's move on to trusting God, trusting Christ. So we'll start off with the whole fact that we all have some trust issues, okay? <laughs> I think we're almost born with them. I'm not sure because, you know, when you come out, those doctors do they slap you. You're like, What's, what is that for? I was ready to breathe. Just, you know, I was here. But no, we come out and we have trusted. And now we're living in a pandemic. Robin just told us all about it. And I'm like, okay, what happened? We can't trust anything. We can't trust the media. We can't trust our doctors. We can't trust any. What, what's going on? So it's hard. And I, I read that there's two reasons not to trust. Two reasons. The first reason is you don't know someone, right? You don't trust people you don't know. The second reason, hold on. You know someone, okay? <laughs> Let's just give that a little jingle, okay? <laughs> you know them. You know you don't need to trust them. You know that you don't need to trust them. Let's see what the kids say. So with these questions, it says, concerning why lovers often hold hands, okay? Dave, who's age eight, he said, they want to make sure that their rings don't fall off because they paid good money for them. <laughs> Um, concerning why um, love happens between two particular people. Jan, age, age nine, she said, um, no one is sure why it happens, but I've heard that it has something to do with how you smell. That's why perfume and deodorant are so popular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Halen, age eight, says, I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something, but... The rest of it is not supposed to be that painful. <laughs> I don't know. Trusting is hard, but it's necessary. It's necessary if we want to have a strong relationship, right? And we, we have to know somebody, though, before we can trust them. Sometimes we see people in relationships, and they're trusting people, and they don't even know them. Or they do know them, but they still trust them. That's not the way it should be. There's no way to trust someone without knowing them. And when somebody says something and does something else, let me just tell you, that's a red flag, okay? It's a red flag. Think about it. In Proverbs 25, 14, it says, a person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like a cloud and wind that brings no rain, okay? It's just a farce. And we have to be discerning. Women, we, we trust I mean, I'll say me. Okay, I know how I am. I trust everybody. I'm just really bad, okay? I don't know. It's, it's that, that's God part of me. I'm going to say that what it is. But I trust. I trust people I don't know. I probably shouldn't. But I also trust God to protect me. I trust him to watch over me. I trust him to, to help me to get better, okay? Um, so trust grows as we get to know, and as we get to know more and more of who Christ is, then our trust in him grows also. Um, and how do we do that? We talk. We talk together. We spend time together. Um, but trust has to be sustained also. It's not something that just comes and it just hangs out there. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 says that love protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. That means it's something that has to be worked on. you got to work to make sure that you're trusting someone. So the more you get to know Christ, the more you can trust him with the big stuff, 
the more you get to know Christ, the more you can trust him with the little stuff. The more you get to know Christ, the more you can trust him with everything. Everything. So, again, I'm going to go some scriptures. I told you I'm going to give you the word tonight because this isn't Kitty because Kitty doesn't really know. But the Bible tells us all this. And if we can go to the word and we can find this in the word, there's no need to doubt because the word is God's breathed. The, the Bible is God's breathed word. And that's all we need. So, trust in Christ. Why should we trust him? What are we trusting for? Well, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it said God plans good, good plan. God has good plans for us. It says, for I know the plans I have, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not evil to give you a future and a hope. So he already has some good plans for us. That's right. He has some good plans for us. Mm -hmm. We can trust God for direction. We have lots of decisions that we have to make. And we can trust him for directions. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean to your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And then Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we can trust him for directions. Where are we going to go? Ask God. He'll tell you. We can trust him for provisions. In John 10, 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He knows us and we know his voice when he speaks to him because we get to know him. We've gotten to know him. So now we can trust him. It also says we can trust him for good things. In Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things, say that, all things, Say it again, all things. All things work together for the good of those according to his purpose. Okay? For the good. Um, we can trust him because he will not forsake us. Psalms 9:10 says, And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. He's not going to turn his back. You're going to call on him and he's going to step right up. You're not going to have to call him once, twice, three times. Sometimes you're going to start to say his name and he's going to be standing right there. Whoa, did you say something? I'm here. I'm here. He's there for us. And then we can also trust him because he wants to help us. In Psalms 28, it says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts and I am helped. How many of us need some help sometimes? I need it. Yeah, I need it. And then we can trust God for provisions, especially in this time when there's so much that we have lost since March. We've lost a lot. People don't have jobs and people are struggling. But you know what? God can provide. In Matthew 6, 25, it says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Because he will provide it for us. God will provide. Um, we can also trust him because he will come through for us. I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but he'll come through for us. He actually wants to be with us. That's so funny. God wants to be with us. He wants a relationship with us. So as we get to know him, then we start trusting because it's like, 
It's not a chore for God to be near us or with us. He gives us courage. He cares for us. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Christ cares for us. He wants to be a part of us. And I'm going to read this last one in, in Psalms 23, 3. He restores us. It says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we can trust that Christ wants to know us as we want to know him. And as we're getting to know him more, we can trust deeply in him. So in times of trouble, we have to hold on to the hope and believe that God is with us and seek sanctuary in his presence. Because trusting God completely means having faith that he knows what is best for us, right? He knows what's best for us. So if we know God and we've started to trust God, the next thing that happens is we need to start relying on him. We need to start relying on Christ, okay? And how do we do that? We are an independent kind of self, right? We're, we, we do things for ourselves and we make sure we do them right for ourselves. But we can rely on God. It's hard to rely on others because they don't always come through, but God comes through. So before I go there, I want to see what the kids have to say, okay? So on what falling in love is like, Roger, age nine, he said, oh, it's like an avalanche where you have to run for your life. <laughs> he scares me. <laughs> and then Leo, age seven, says, if falling, is if falling is love is anything like learning how to spell, I don't want to do it. It takes too long. And then on the personal qualities um, necessary to be a good lover, um, Ava, age eight, says, one of you should know how to write a check because even if you have tons of love, there is still going to be a lot of bills. So they got to rely. <laughs> there you go. Ava knows what she's talking about. <laughs> so what does it mean to rely on God? What does it mean to rely on God? John 1.12 says, To as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave them the right or the authority or the privilege to become children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. He calls us his children. I don't have kids, but I'm a teacher, okay? So I've had kids, <laughs> not my own, but I've had kids, and I've been around kids. And kids rely on you blindly, right? They don't expect you to say no. They don't expect you not to feed them. They don't expect you not to give them new clothes. They don't expect when they're sick, they don't expect you to get some sleep. They want you right there beside them, right? That's, that's the way we need to rely on God. We need to just, without any... What is the word? Without any barriers, we need to just throw ourselves and let him, let him pamper us like we pamper our kids. He wants to do that for us. That's what relying on him looks like. Um, some of the scriptures and some of the things that we can rely on God for, one is his promise of abundant life, right? In John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy but I, Christ, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
we can rely on him for his eternal presence. He's not going to leave us. Matthew 24 and 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. He has plans for us for the future. His strength, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We just need to rely on him. We just need to rest in him. For his peace, Philippians um, says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then John 14, 1 says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He is there. His peace is for us. We can rely on that. We can rely on his finances. I didn't put this scripture in, but I'll tell you what I, I put. I put Philippians 4.19. It says, and God will supply every need and every, of every need of yours according to his riches and glory and Christ Jesus. When I was young, I was really poor. <laughs> My family, we were a very poor family in, in Georgia. And um, I used to say, I'm not poor. My daddy owns a, a cattle on a thousand hill. Not just one cow, but the cattle on a thousand hill. Because that's what the Bible tells me. That God has it. He has it all. And I have that because I am what? His child. I am a child of God and I have those things too. We can rely on Christ for our health. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagle, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's our health. Yeah, he's promised us health. We can rely on his listening ear. 1 John 5, 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Again, his, his, support, his care, we can rely on his care. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And sometimes, ladies, we just need to rest in the fact that he cares for you us. We live busy lives. I live a busy life. <laughs> it's overly busy. And sometimes I forget that Christ cares for me. Sometimes I forget that I can rest in his arms like Robin challenged us to do earlier. Sometimes I forget that he is there for me. But we don't have to forget that. We can rely on that. We can trust in that. We can know that. So when we rely on Christ, we have to stop focusing on our problems. We have to focus on God. We have to listen to God and not to our insecurities. And we have to rely on God and not on our own strength. Psalms 27, 13 says, I am expecting the Lord to rescue me again. So that once again, I will see his goodness to me here in the land of the living. 
I won't be impatient. I will wait for the Lord, and he will come and save me. So I will be brave. I will be stout-hearted and courageous. And yes, I will wait for his help. We have to stand on his word. And Exodus says something that I use daily. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I have a hard time with it, but I need it. So I'm challenging you. Be still and rely on Christ. Be still and rely on Christ. And when we know God, when we know Christ, we've, we've started trusting him and we're relying on him. The next thing comes is the ring. You know, we got to commit, right? It's time. It's time to commit. And as we think about committing to him, we have to remember that it's not just about us anymore. It's not about us anymore. Let's see what kids say before I go into that. So, how to, how to make love endure. Tom, who's seven years old, said, spend more time thinking loving instead of going to work. <laughs> hmm. Spend more time thinking about love instead of going to work. Randy said, be a good kisser. It might make your wife forget that you never take out the trash. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the role of good looks in love, um, Jean says, um, if, you want to love, if you want to be loved by somebody who isn't already in your family, it doesn't hurt to be beautiful. Okay? And Gary, who's age seven, he said, it isn't always just how you look. Look at me. I'm handsome like anything, and I haven't got anybody to marry me yet at age seven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then Christine, of age nine, of course, she's a little more wiser. She says, beauty is just skin deep, but how rich you are can last a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so true commitment in a relationship requires a lot from both parties, right? Um, on our side, I'm going to just speak about my side to Christ. I had to die to some things. I had to die to my ego. I had to die to my me first mindset. And you know, in our culture, it's truly a me, me, me culture, right? And if you don't believe me, when you all were here probably earlier taking some pictures with your friends, what did you do? You look at the picture. What's the first person you look at to see what you look like? And then if you didn't look good, what did you do? Delete. <laughs> That's right. Delete. Let's take that one over. My eye was like this. You know, <laughs> My hair was sticking right here. Let's take that one again. We are all about ourselves. And that's okay. But when it comes to being a part of a relationship, when it comes to committing, even in a friendship, we have to put that other person first. We have to think about that other person. And it's not because we need to do that, but it's because that's what Christ did, right? He gave us that example. In Philippians 2, 6 through 7, it says, who being the very nature, in very nature God, he was God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in man's likeness as a human and being found 
in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So he's given us an example of what that commitment looks like. He put us before his own need, and he died so that we could live. So when we talk about commitment, we need to remember that commitment is an action. It's an active word. It's a verb. And it is continual. It's continually getting to know Christ. It's continually keeping on building that trust. And it solidifies our reliance on him when we commit ourselves to Christ. Commitment is like love. It's not an involuntary act of the hormones, okay? It's not a feeling of falling out of or falling into. It is an intentional act of the will. It is a decision where you have to say, and I have to say, I am committed to you. I am in this for the long haul, for better or for worse. This is good to the grave. I will not bail on you. I will not walk away. I will not quit. I choose. I choose to commit myself to you. I choose to put you first, Lord. I choose to serve you, Lord. I choose to die to myself and my selfishness, and I choose you. So do nothing out of selfish ambition. This is what the scripture tells us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but at those of others, the interest of others. And that's what Christ did. And so when I think about commitment, the word faithfulness for me goes hand in hand with commitment. And in the Bible, the word faithfulness, it means firm, steady, sure, dependable, rock solid, trustworthy, honest. And through scripture, these words are used to describe the character of Christ. Beth Moore says it like this, faithfulness is resting in his certainty, certainty, persuaded by his honesty, trusting in his reality, being won over by his sincere, being sure that he is sure, and believing he is worth believing. In Psalms 89, we read about the character of God and his faithfulness, and it says that God is faithful. And faithfulness is his character. So it says it like this in Psalms 89, verse 1, 2, and 8. It says, I will sing of the tender mercies of the Lord forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is an enduring as, is as enduring as heaven. O Lord God Almighty, where is there anyone as mighty as you? Faithfulness is your very character. Faithfulness. So what are we committing to or how do we commit and why do we commit? And I'm just going to tell you there's really only one how. And that how is found in Psalms 119.10. It says, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let no one wander from your commandments. In Deuteronomy 6. Five says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. 
That's the only how I could find. Now, the whys, there's a lot of good whys. Because he blesses our families, because of our commitment to him, our families can be blessed. In Genesis, all the way back in Genesis 22, 18, it says, And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Because he loves us, John 3, 16 and I know you already know that one, so I won't read it. Because he wants to be near us. James 5, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Because he is faithful. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And Hebrew 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises is faithful. Because his love is forever, we can commit to him because his love is forever. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his covenant to a thousand generations. Say that, a thousand generations. That is forever. That is like while I'm here on earth, when I'm in the grave, and then when I get to heaven all those years too, that's a long time. His love is forever. It says his steadfast love of the Lord never ceases in lamentations. In Psalms 38, it says your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. His love is forever. And so I said it earlier, but I think it's worth repeating. Commitment is an action. It is continually getting to know Christ. It is keeping and building, to keep on building trust, and it solidifies our reliance on him. That's what happens when we commit. And once we have the ring... Oh, yeah, there it goes. Touch, intimacy. And that's what's happening. So through, through that commitment, that, that reliance, that trust, and that knowledge of Christ, we grow to a place of intimacy with Christ. And um, let's go back and see what the kids have to say before I jump into that one. So when it's okay to kiss someone... So Jean, age 10, says, it's never okay to kiss a boy. They always slobber all over you. That's why I stopped doing it. <laughs> and Jim, age 10, says, you should never kiss a girl unless you have enough bucks to buy her a big ring and her a DVD because she'll want to have videos of the wedding. <laughs> and then Callie, age 9, says, Never kiss, never kiss in front of other people. It is a big embarrassing thing if anyone sees you, but if nobody sees you, it might, I might be, if nobody sees you, I might be willing to try it with a handsome boy, but just for a few hours. <laughs> so kids know intimacy, okay? <laughs> but um, do you know that God wants us to have a warm, affectionate, 
and a lot of affection in our relationships in the family of God. There are over 50 occasions in the Bible where um, touch is referenced. Over 50 occasions. And there's five instances in the New Testament where um, we are told to greet others with a holy kiss. Okay, so now during the COVID time, it might look like a, a high five, a fist bump, or maybe even an elbow tap, okay? <laughs> now, but we're called to kiss. What did the doctor tell the families 